Good morning. Thank you, John Yvette. Praise God that he's forgiven us. It's good to see everybody this morning. We're going to um, hopefully be blessed. I know I've been blessed for the last few weeks with uh, this portion of Scripture, and I pray that everybody else is. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have been saved through your wonderful blood at Calvary, Lord, those that have invited you into our hearts and seen what can happen to a man that's living in wretched sin and and then the Spirit of God comes in him and changes him and we become reborn and we thank you, Lord, for saving our souls and our lives. And now we pray, Lord, as we read your word today, that we're blessed and encouraged and that we serve you better. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm 107. Let's go there. It's, um, I know Sylvia probably had a tear this morning. And um, this message is about crying, and there's different types of tears. She had a good tear because it was a joyful celebration. And if we can think back to, um, you know, the first time we cried, some of us maybe don't remember. Years ago, they used to um, spank the bottoms of babies, I guess just to, I guess, check their vocal cords, make sure everything is going okay. And I don't know if they do that today, but that would, was probably the first time that most of us cried. And um, probably there's a few of us have been crying ever since. <laughs> a few of us. You don't have to stand up or anything. <laughs> But and we won't name any names either. <laughs> but praise God for crying. Webster's defines crying as to cry out for help, to scream, to call loudly, shout, weep, sob, an inarticulate utterance of distress, rage, cry over spilled milk, which is to express the vain regrets for what cannot be recovered or undone. We've heard that before. When I looked up the term cry just on the Internet, I found 4,321,387 results. So what you can deduct from that, there's a whole bunch of crying going on out there. (laughs) A more technical definition is a sobbing ranging from soft to loud, given as a response to grief, happiness, sadness, or pain. Involuntary, uh, involuntary tightening of the voice box, usually accompanied by quivering chin, depressed lip corners, puckered by, uh, brows, flared nostrils, tearing eyes, facial flushings, shoulder shrugs, and forward bowing motions of the head and torso. That's extreme crying, I would think. That might be called weeping. Uh, 
Jesus wept. Isn't that something? He wept. He saw the sorrow of um, people regarding the death of Lazarus. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the death, but he still wept. That shows you that our Savior weeps. It's okay if we weep. And then we know about our brother, Peter, how he wept bitterly because of the sorrow of denying our Savior. That's a, there was a bitter weeping. A happy cry, they say, averages two minutes. A sad cry, seven. Interesting. Women cry five times more frequently than men. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it says. <laughs> no judgment there. And the average crying spell lasts a month. <laughs> Women's tears flow more than men's. Men's well up. Women stream down the face. Praise God for women in tears. You know, one thing about tears, though, crying can draw us closer to God. When we feel hopeless, helpless, and nowhere to turn, we can turn to Jesus. I thought about why we cry. We cry because we're broken, lost, without hope, helpless, response to extreme sorrow. And that's the cry we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that cry of deliverance in which, you know, I've named this message the cry of deliverance. That's a good cry because of the last word, deliverance. The cry isn't good, but the deliverance is wonderful. So Psalm 107 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in chains, iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled. And there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord 
for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thanks offerings and tell of his, of his works with songs of joy. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty seas. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, they, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress and stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to the desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise his name in the council of the elders. We praise God for his word. And um, that's a lot of scriptures, and I apologize for reading so much, but this scripture reference is about four different people, basically, four different groups of people and how they responded and reacted. And um, I thought about what we're dealing with today, and I want you to understand and just give you an example of what we're dealing with today as far as this cry of deliverance. If you can imagine a woman who is in her home and there's a fire and it starts at 3 o'clock and her husband maybe is at work, and all of a sudden it's blazing up and she finds her child, but the smoke gets to her. And she can't grab her child. And she's crawling out trying to find some air. And she gets outside and what does she do? She's falling, gasping, can't go back in because she doesn't have the strength. And she cries out for help. And then she sees this fireman. She sees Mike 20 years ago. Mike Hyde. And he goes in and he rescues her baby. That's the kind of cry of deliverance we're talking about today. The cry of sorrow and brokenness and lost. And that's where we're going to have a... We're going to be quick about this because there's a lot, but I just want you to know the cries don't happen automatically. They just don't happen. Just like that. If you look at the first part of this verse, it says, gives thanks to the Lord for he is good. It starts off the verse, he is good. It doesn't say that he delivered them. It says he is good. God has such a bad rap right now. Such a bad rap. People don't understand who our God is. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Unfailing love he has because he loves us so much. People don't understand who our God is. And this section of scriptures tells people who our God is. Do we know our God today? Are we blessed by our God today? Encouraged by our God today? So when we think about this, these verses, I can tell you that you can count if you're not in a trial right now, you will be in a trial eventually. Either a trial because the Lord is just using you and building you up so he can use you more, or it's because of rebellion. And he's going to bring the trial to get our attention, to bring us back to him, 
because he can use us when we're back with him. He can't use us if we're in rebellion. So no matter where we are today, if we're not in a trial, if we don't really see ourselves in rebellion or maybe we're in rebellion and we don't feel discomforted, I want you to know today the discomfort will come. The discomfort will come because he has to bring us back to him. If we're away from him, we have to come back. So four groups of people. The first group I call the wonders. They were homeless. Second group was the prisoners. They were slaves to sin. Third group was the distressed. They were hopeless. The fourth group was the storm-tossed, the lost. When we talk about the Lord being good, we have to understand that our God is good because he loves us so much and he redeems us. But why is he good? Let's look at the wanderers so we can see why he's good. The wanderer starts in verse it's uh, verse 4. It says, Some wandered in the desert wastelands, fighting no, finding no way. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. What a condition. What a condition. I consider that like the condition before Christ. Wandering. The track was lost. No vestige of a road remained lost with no map. Wandering around. And after a while, the wandering started to get uncomfortable. Because when you're wandering around at first and you think you know where you are, you're really okay. And then you make a turn. And maybe even a sign is there that says, do not enter. But you figure, yeah, it looks good, though. And you make that turn. And you go down another road, and it seems like a good road. And then all of a sudden, it's a dead end again. It's like, wow, what's going on? And then you make another turn, and it's a dead end. And after a while, you're kind of shell-struck. And that's what this passage reminds me of. They wandered in desert wastelands. It was a wasteland, but they weren't immediately in the wasteland. It didn't look that way at first. At first, it looked good. I was talking to a brother, and we were just talking about, you know, flowers, fake flowers. Now the big thing is artificial flowers. Do you know that an artificial flower looks real from a distance? And that's the way the road looked. The, the signs, the trees look good on that road. Before we came to Christ, when we were traveling down that road, it really looked good. Sin looked good. And all of a sudden, a dead end. Wow, wait a minute. The trees look good. And then we got a little closer. People look good. They look really nice. And all of a sudden, we realized, wait a minute, it's fake. It's not real. There's no substance here. We kept, but we kept wandering because we're looking. And that's what they were doing. They kept wondering. And all of a sudden, they realized, wait a minute. Something is not right here. There's a wasteland here, and it doesn't look as good as it looked before. That's when really the, the, um, the dreams start to falter. The truth starts to become evident that there's a problem. Lost with no directions. That's where they were. No navigation system. 
No MapQuest. No Yahoo Quest, whatever it is. Yahoo Map. They had nothing. They couldn't figure out where to go. They were on the wrong road that looked like the right road. Spurgeon says that they were lost in the worst possible place, even as a sinner who was lost in sin. But thank God, I call it thank God for the cry. Because in verse 6, it says the victory cry finally came. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Exodus 15, 22 says that they were. It's going to let's go there. Exodus 15. It says that you don't really have to spend a lot of time. I'm going to go really quickly with this. But it says Moses led the Israel, led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out to the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Then when you go down to verse 24, it says, So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Moses cried out to the Lord, and what did the Lord do? He provided sweet water. And that's what happened to these people. Jonah says uh, in Jonah 2, 1, it says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you listened to my cry. That's our God. Our God listens to the cry of his children. Some men will never pray till they are half starved. If hunger brings us to our knees, it is more useful than feasting. If thirst drives us to the fountain, it is better than the greatest of worldly joy. If fainting leads us to crying, it is better than the strength of the mighty. Even those, even though their cry was feeble and weak and faint, because that's what the scripture says, their faith was weak. But the Lord was ready to save them. And that's what happens before Christ. We become weak. We realize our need and thank God for the cry. And what does the Lord do to the cry? He answers the cry. Let's go to the second one because we need to move. The prisoners. This is an interesting group. I consider this a group that is, they knew better. They tasted God's truth now. And if we look at verse 10, it says, some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom. And I think the gloom is deeper when we know him and we deny him. That's why it says that Peter went away and wept bitterly. I don't think he could have wept bitterly if he didn't know the Savior. He knew the Savior. He was denying the Savior. I think that the people, the prisoners are the ones that weep bitterly because they tasted God's word. Had a relationship with him. It says some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom prisoners suffering in iron chains. They had also rebelled against the words of God, despised the counsel of the most high. So he subjected them to bitter uh, labor, which is the consequence of sin. 
and they stumbled and there was no one to help. These are those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, but they rebelled against the word of God. He even rebelled against the counsel that God had placed over them. Who are these people? Well, in Nehemiah, which is one of my favorite sections of Scripture, it blesses me more than most Scriptures because it says in chapter 9, verse 26, it says, but they were disobedient. And they rebelled against you. They put your law behind their backs. They knew about the Savior. They knew about God. They were taught about God. They knew about God. But they put your law behind their backs. And they said, no, I don't want to see it. I don't want to do it. They killed your prophets. Prophets. People who came and said, I want to point you in the right direction. You're going in the wrong direction. They killed them. They had admonished them in order to turn them back to you. And that's what the prophets were there for, to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies, so you handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them. That's what God does. Do you know that if we deny our Savior and we deny counsel and we kill counsel, because we can kill counsel by bad-mouthing counsel. Counsel gives us direction, and we say, no, I don't want to go with that. There are many who know God's word but refuse to obey it. They now are rebelling against the words of God. God's way is no longer their way. It's now the wrong way. I want to do it my way, they say. My counsel. Counsel? Well, who needs counsel? I will seek counsel only when I know what's going to be given to me by counsel and it's going to be acceptable to me. I will say that again. I will only ask for counsel if counsel is going to say what I want them to tell me. I will ask counsel on things that there's no way they can tell me anything I don't want to hear. Hmm. Then they're not interested in doing God's will because they don't just rebel against counsel. They rebel against God's word. And what happens? They're not interested in doing God's will, but their will. They start doing things even on the job that once were seen as unacceptable. Isn't that amazing? Something that we deemed as unacceptable, we start doing. Start taking shortcuts, fudging things just a little. Taxes, everybody's doing it. Let me fudge just a little bit. Integrity to Christ, well, that's a distance practice. My way provides a little more income, a little more convenience. I'm going my way, God's way costs too much. Eventually, God will punish those, which it says that they will be punished. And eventually, they will become chained by sin, shackled by Satan. Now God can't use them until he brings them to their knees and they cry out to him for deliverance. And the deliverance call will come because God knows how to bring us to deliverance. He knows how to orchestrate events, and he did it with them. 
these people here. He brought them to a point, and it says that, so he handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them, but when they were oppressed, they cried out to you, from heaven you heard them, because God always hears. And that's what, that's our God that's misrepresented by everyone. Our God hears the call, the cry. He's listening. When we cry, he answers. Spurgeon says while they were still, while they were still help to be found below, they would not look above. Until they had done everything below, they wouldn't look above. No cries till their hearts were brought down and their hopes were all dead. Then they cried, but not before. So many a man offers what he calls prayer when he is in good ease, thinks well of himself. But in the very deed, the only thing that God hears is the real cry, which is forced out of him by a sense of utter helplessness and misery. We pray best when we are falling on our faces in painful helplessness. But again, the great cry came again. They cried out. These people cried out. And what happened? He saved them again. He heard their cry. Are we blessed by that? That God just keeps hearing the cry? It says that one gentleman says they were long before they cried. But he was not long before he saved. It took a long time to cry. And it took me a long time to cry. It took me 40 years to cry. I didn't cry to the Lord. It took 40 years. And then I cried to him. And he saved me. Amen. It took a long time. But he saved quickly. They applied everywhere at first. But they came to him. And when they did address themselves to him, they were welcome at once. When the dungeon doors fly open, the chains are snapped. Who can refuse to adore the glorious goodness of our Lord? And that's when it says that we should be thankful again. Be thankful. Verse 17 says this is the third group. Some became fools through their rebellious ways. They suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathe food. They drew near to the gates of death. I see them as fools because of their transgression, because of their rebellious ways. These are those who continue in rebellion. God has warned them over and over and over and over, and they continue in rebellion. And all of a sudden, what they do is they become derelicts, really. They kind of become insane. It doesn't even make sense anymore, his word. They don't see it. They don't see themselves very clearly. And they get close to the gates of death. They die spiritually. They're almost dead. But what happens? They cry again. Again, there's a cry. It says that in um, verse 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. Again. God came to the rescue. I know we're covering a lot of verses, but I want us to really get 
a blessing from this scripture reference. It says that they cried out to God and he sent his word and healed them. Man is not healed by medicine alone, but by the word which proceeded out of the mouth of God. A word will do it. A word has done it thousands of times. We go to the word of God. It says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that means to me you help me see where to go. You give me directions. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Obedience. The word. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. The word uplifts. Then we'll go to the last group, which is the storm tossed. This is a very incredible group, I think. I think. I picture these people as being those that have been the redeemed and they're out in the deep waters. It says, um, others went out into the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. They saw his wonderful deeds. They saw, they knew him. He spoke and stirred up the tempest. That lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, they, they, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunk men. They were at their wit's end. Then again and again I say, it happened. Again. They came to a point of utter hopelessness and helplessness. Fighting for a glimpse of the shoreline and peaceful waters. The storm had been raging and they were seasick. Then and only then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to a desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and wonderful deeds. Unfailing love. God's love never fails. It doesn't matter where we are. If we're out in the deepest of waters, deepest of waters, with just difficulty, the worst of difficulties that we might be facing this morning, it says that you cry out to the Lord and he will answer that cry. And it says let's give thanks to the Lord because of his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds. Do you know that that's the same God that at the beginning of time, at the beginning of time, back in Exodus, where it says that they were during a long period of time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help. And because of their slavery, it went up to God. God heard their groanings and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. This is back in the first, um, in the book of Exodus in the first chapter, second chapter right now. And it says that God was concerned about them, his people. You know that God is still concerned about us today. He hasn't forgot to be concerned about us. 
he still is concerned about his children, his people. He has an unfailing love. His love will never fail us. It says that his deeds are wonderful deeds. And down in verse 7 of chapter 3, it says, The Lord said that I have seen the misery of my people. And that's what he says to us. I've seen the misery of my people. We're going through misery today. He says, I see your misery. I have seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying. I've heard the cries. God says, I've heard the cries. What a misrepresented God we have. Our God is a God that hears the cries. And the cries come. The cries come because of disobedience and we get to the end. The cries come because of, of not knowing him and at being at the end of the road and nowhere to go. Crying out for just something that we can put our hands on. Something real that we can cling to. Some hope. The cries go out to him and he cares. Our God cares. It says that he said, so I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's our God. The same one that said, I want to take you out of your situation and take you to the land flowing with milk and honey. What does that mean for us today? Where are we today? If we know him really well and we're walking very closely and we still have the trials, he said, just hang in there. My love is unfailing. I'm taking you through the trial. Don't worry. I'm working with you. I have work to do. I'm building you because I want to use you. He said, I'm taking you through it. Don't worry. It's okay. I'm with you. Don't worry. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. That's our God. And if we don't know him today, he says, well, guess what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You want to come on the right road? There's many wrong roads. There's one right road. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You get to cry out to him today and say, Lord, save me. And immediately, even if it took a long time to come to him, it takes only one second for him to come to you, to rescue you. To redeem you. And if we're out here today and we're in rebellion. Cry out to him. Forgive me. Restore me. Bring me back to you. And if we're not in that place where we really see ourselves clearly. I don't want to. Um. I don't want to judge anyone, but I just want to say that if we're not right with our Lord this morning and we don't see ourselves clearly, we don't see that we're not right, a loving Father is going to make it clear to us that it's right. He's going to bring us back. And look at, the, look at what happened to these people. They were brought low. They all were brought low. Low means brought to a place where we realize that we can't do it on our own. That all these things and these desires and dreams that we have no longer work. Our greatest uh, philosophy, 
Our greatest desires will fail if he's not in it. If we're running the opposite way, he will grab the line that's around us and pull us back to him. And we have an opportunity to just turn around on our own and go back and say, I repent, Lord, I forgive. Please forgive me. We do have that. And that's that's wonderful. That's what's great about our God. Unfailing love. It never fails to do what? Never fails us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Period. In Joshua, it talks about he's telling them to go out and claim the promised land. He says, but be strong and courageous because I am with you. He's telling them where to go. But he's saying, wherever you go, I'm with you. If you make a wrong turn, I'm still with you. If you go the opposite way and I'm a, you're my child, I'm still with you. All you have to do is just turn around and you'll see I'm there. Following you, waiting for you to turn around and say, okay, Father, I repent. Bring me back to you. And he restores a relationship just like that. That's our God. He sustains us through the trial. He restores us through the trial. He builds us through the trial. He cleans us through the trial. And all if we allow him. And then he uses us through the trial. Especially after the trial. That's our God. And today we get to just say, we can say, our God lives. Our God is real. We can count on our God to come through, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter where we are, no matter what's going on. And then the promise that comes in Revelation says that he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. So all the tears and some of you saints have really cried a lot. And God bless you for that. You cried a lot for other people. God says, I'm going to wipe all those tears away. So may we cry a lot now as needed. May we cry for deliverance as needed, for repentance as needed, for a right relationship as needed, just for sustenance as needed, because we need to be sustained. But when we, may we remember that he will wipe away every tear when we see him in heaven. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have a God that's a God that we can count on, a God that will deliver us from our pain, our sickness, our situations that might just harm us, Lord, and hurt us. We thank God that you're a God that cares so much about us. And we just pray this evening, Lord, or this afternoon, Lord, that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they cry out to you today, Lord. And we know you will save them immediately because you love them so much. And we pray for all the saints here, Lord, that are walking with you, that are struggling, Lord, because of just trials, that you would sustain them, encourage them. Give them courage to fight the good fight, Lord. And those that are out of your will, Lord, that are rebelling, Lord, that they would turn around, Lord, before it's too late, before you will allow them to be shackled, Lord, and things get uncomfortable. Because you will create that to draw them back because you love us so much. 
And we just thank you that you're the kind of God that we can come to and that we have a relationship with you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.